0: listening to the pharmacy podcast network since 2009 the pharmacy podcast has been leading podcast publications as the insider voice of the pharmacy industry explore the profession and business of pharmacy through audio join us at pharmacypodcast.com or subscribe on apple podcasts spotify google or any of your favorite podcast directories
1: this is the pain pod you want to see pain look at these. Welcome to The Pain Pod, the podcast for all things pain management, hosted by the pain guy, Dr. Mark Grofali. We'll be collaborating with numerous pain management experts, talking about substance usage disorders, the latest treatment modalities, and most important, most important. focusing on the pain of our patients as leading providers of pain care. And now, here's our host, a man wanted in all 50 states, a suburban city-like mountain man, without the beard, from the hills of West Virginia, and certified in Weapons of Mass Destruction Response, it's Dr. Mark Garofoli!
0: Alright, welcome back, Pain Pod Nation. We are hot off of one incredible episode on the last roundabout, right? We had a an amazing uh, conversation that you were able to partake in uh, with, of course, the one and only Sam Quinones, author of The Infamous Dreamland and the newer product of The Least of Us. I've talked to numerous Pain Pod audience members, uh, all talking about, wow, what what an episode. Um, so by the way, if you haven't checked it out, you know certainly please do. Uh, but a lot of folks have uh, gotten back to me and said, oh my goodness, I bought his two books immediately. Uh, and I was like, well, that's not the overall point, but boy, um, really good idea overall. So I'm sure Sam will appreciate that. But we're going to take an extension of that conversation here today. So something uh, kind of tossed around here, uh, building off of something did a couple of years ago with uh, one Uh, conference uh, CE conglomerates the folks at pain week Uh, those of you that know me know that uh, I I just love me some pain week Uh, one of the greatest conferences out there I know I know I usually don't share opinions but you know what folks we're human right Uh, so if you haven't been there get there it's on the Las Vegas strip in the most posh hotel known to mankind on that strip Uh, of course at the Cosmo it's always the week of Labor Day all right. So anyways, one of the things that came from a couple of years back was a presentation called Thug Drugs. Oh, the posters they make for that, because literally they make artist renditions of your presentations. That's amazing. But anyways, I'm going to go a little bit of an extension from that here today, uh, doing uh, this episode of the Pain Pod, Thug Drugs Stimulants. Now, you might be wondering where in the world this pharmacist or any pharmacist or really just about any healthcare professional could be getting all the information together to be talking about, quite frankly, mostly illegal, illicit substances. Uh, whether things are misused, abused, diverted, you know, all the terms really do matter and are different. Uh, but where do you get the information? Well, folks, I'm, I'm going to share a lot uh, in the episode uh, link uh, and rundown and description uh, for this one, so that way you can get some of this information as well too. Um, I originally did a lot of the research when I was work, working with the folks at Free CE, uh, so the FreeCE.com or FarmCon. Um, it, you may have been in the audience before for some of those CEs. Uh, you swear sometimes maybe they'd be a podcast or maybe a podcast would be a CE. Which came first, chicken or the egg? Oh, the world may never know. But you know, Luke, our, our toddler, he just wants to know why he crossed the road, right? I digress. Anyways, uh, we're going to talk about stimulants today. And a lot of the research that went into these things that I will be sharing with you, but there's much more available uh, was in the substances of abuse specialty pharmacist certification. uh, That's actually readily available for everyone. Uh, It's uh, darn near like 15 to 20 hours or so of, of CE on quite frankly, mostly illegal drugs. So, you know, if you're going to get your CE, what a way, right? Uh, but anyways, that's where that came from. Um, I'll provide some information for that everybody as well, uh, even if just for the references uh, along the way within that program. But first and foremost here today, everybody raise a cup, all right? You probably have one in your hand, whether you well, maybe not if you're running or lifting, or maybe if you're sitting out by the pool or on a plane or uh, planes, trains or automobiles right now, or who knows, but You know, I got at least a 10% chance that you probably have a cup of Joe in your hand, right? So first stimulant we're going to talk about is good old caffeine. Uh, So how do we make pharmacology fun again? Well, caffeine is a CYP450, you know, our wonderful liver enzymes. Uh, It's a 1A2 substrate. Where does that get funky? You might ask. Well, smoking and birth control. Yes, you heard it here. Definitely not first, folks. Hopefully all schools of pharmacy cover this stuff. Uh, but uh, smoking tobacco is actually going to increase the caffeine clearance, um, whereas birth control pills will actually uh, their utilization will decrease caffeine clearance. So ups and downs with smoking and birth control when it comes to a cup of Joe or whatever other products. Right. All right. So how does caffeine work? First off? Well, um, you know, through the years that we've gotten, uh, it's one of those grandfathered in things. but. The most common things now are uh, the realm of adenosine receptor antagonists. Stay tuned, folks, stay tuned. We're gonna see some pain management realm medications that are already in the pipeline uh, that perhaps work the opposite of caffeine or maybe right next to caffeine. You heard it here first, perhaps. But on these caffeine ideas, where, where do we get it? It's everywhere, socially acceptable in every nook and cranny of this planet. Uh, but what, what's a, you know, an average cup of Joe is usually between 50 and hundred milligrams. Uh, whereas our friends at Starbucks have figured out how to make that eh, about 250 milligrams. Whoa. Yeah. That, that goes up pretty quick shot of espresso, typically about 40 milligrams. Um, tea is usually around that same area. If it's black tea, it's about 50, um, Uh, you know, green or regular tea, not the herbal stuff. Same grouping, I guess, as herbal stuff, usually about 25. You know where it gets interesting, though? Oh, those wonderful energy drinks. Let's not skip over chocolate, by the way. There's like 10 to 30, depending on uh, milk or dark chocolate there. Uh, Hot cocoa gets jumped in there as well. But Red Bull, Red Bull gives you, of course, wings, right? I mean, marketing works. We know that. But uh, an eight-ounce Red Bull has about 80 milligrams of caffeine in it. So, you know, we're talking around about a cup of gel, right? But have you ever heard of, get this one, have you ever heard of the beverage that you could buy just about anywhere, it's just harder to find, called cocaine? No, we're not on cocaine yet. That's kind of going to be coming up next, but there is an energy drink out there labeled and called cocaine. How in the world was that allowed? But hey, who knows? You know, you slip it under the rug a little bit here and there. Uh, The idea with that cocaine, by the way, the stuff that's not illegal or AC2, uh, that stuff is actually like three Red Bulls. So the intent there of uh, you know the, the availability of that product is to be mixing it with other beverages and liquids. Taking that straight would not be typically recommended. It's three Red Bulls in one. Wow gives you a lot of wings, right? Uh, Then we got actually our, you know, in pharmacy, uh, we got the realm of the the pills that are available, the products that are available over the counter. Even there's no dose has about the max is like 200 milligrams. So that's two, if not three cups of Joe Uh, and then various other um, back pain and migraine things with uh, about 30 to 60 or 70 milligrams in those. Uh, So lots of options when it comes to caffeine. All right. I already kind of banged the drum on cocaine, so let's let's jump to cocaine as our next stimulant of the hour here. Everybody knows John Pemberton started Coca-Cola. Right, he developed Coca-Cola and included the ingredients of coca leaves. Of course, Coca-Cola originally had cocaine in it; hence the name, right? Well, not every pharmacist is an entrepreneur. Shout out to our independent pharmacy owners out there listening, right? Uh, So that's Gentleman. uh, About two years later, he uh, uh, lost the majority rights of the company to uh, Asa Candler, also another pharmacist. So we still got that going on for us. Uh, By the way, if you want to check out the history on this, next time you're in downtown Hotlanta, That's Atlanta, by the way, Georgia. Um, There's actually the Coca-Cola Museum. I highly recommend it uh, for every pharmacy professional out there. And quite frankly, healthcare too, uh, because you're going to see some ancient things in there. But the beginnings of how pharmacy influenced that beverage these days, you know what else we influenced? Created the first six pack. Yeah, literally Coca-Cola created the first six pack. Thank you. You're welcome on behalf of pharmacy or sorry, depending on your point of view. So things were rolling along in that timeframe. But then about 20 years after inception, uh, the FDA had, of course, the Pure Food and Drug Act. We're not going to do a law class here, folks. But uh, at that point, they were forced to uh the, the leaves and the product overall, of course. But even before that, did you know that cocaine came about in wine? Yeah, Vin Mariani, for my Italian heritage out there. Uh, Dr. Frey, uh, actually, um, you know, actually included a, a write-up on Uber Coca, Check that out if you'd like. Uh, but cocaine, uh, how does it work? That's ah, the ultimate all the above question, right? Uh, you got specific serotonin antagonism. You got dopamine, sodium channels, NMDA, norepinephrine, the whole gamut, right? Um, what's some slang that we need to know? You know, it's all about the dosage. You always hear me say that. But, you know, out there in the streets, there's lines of the snorted powder, that product, so line is just talking about the general idea of a line of the powder, but then the dosage comes in. You got, you got to think like a, a little one here, uh, bumps kind of like a speed bump. They're there, they're annoying, they help. It's a, usually folks give me a give me a little here, usually about thirty-five milligrams. Whereas a rail, think of the big choo choos that go across our country. That's about give or take hundred milligrams. So about three times the dose, a bump, speed bump compared to a big choo choo rail. So that's how our kid would describe it, right? crack for 500. How did it get its name? It's simply cocaine and baking soda put together when it is burned. in, let's say a spoon, it's snap, crackle, pop, just like the cereal. Right. Uh, And of course, uh, other terms out there like dime bags utilized uh, synonymously across many substances of abuse these days you know, saying about 10 bucks a bag. All right. So uh, again, you have the, when it comes to cocaine, we're generally usually talking about the, the, uh, salt overall, uh, and then there's the free base or base version that's insoluble in water, uh, and that could be smoked as a base, uh, the form vaporizes very smoothly, but keep in mind folks that cocaine is a C2 medication. In fact, the world health organization, we all know those folks these days, right? They recommend it's in every hospital known to mankind on this planet. Wow. But that's the healthcare side. What about the other side? Well, there's a uh, lots of cocaine derivatives out there in the streets these days and have been for a while. I could think of about four of them. Uh, There's the uh, super speed ball. Super, by the way. That's heroin, fentanyl, cocaine, and meth. You got all four put together. Wow. Uh, Then there's, of course, uh, pink cocaine. So (laughs) that gets us into talking about hallucinogens, by the way, Uh, specifically mescaline uh, in the hallucinogen world. Um, That is not to be confused with cocaine that is actually dyed pink. So the marketing on the streets, the street chemists and whatnot want to uh, mirror the effects of mescaline as a hallucinogen, maybe, maybe someday we'll have a pain pot episode of thug drugs, hallucinogens. In fact, I think we just think that that's probably going to happen someday. Stay tuned. But anyways, pink cocaine could be that, or it could just be, you know, of course, cocaine that's dyed pink, nothing too fancy there. There's also translucent. That's a little bit newer. Uh, that's uh, basically cocaine that is cut with phenacetin. Um, so that's something to keep in mind You got the it, people call things like fish scales, frosted flakes, uh, little wings, uh, all that kind of stuff. Uh, the potency there is through the roof. So you got to watch out with that. Then, uh, that fourth one, I think I was talking about four of them, the dragonfly. So that's uh, cocaine, meth, and ketamine. It aims to mimic the effects of 2CB or bromo dragonfly, hence calling this cocaine derivative dragonfly. So that's our big four when it comes to cocaine derivatives, pink cocaine, translucent, super speedball, and dragonfly. But folks, we're the pain pod. We do like to uh, talk about the real life things here as well, too. Uh, One of the things for for those out there, for my friends out there that have watched The Wire, you know, filmed, filmed in Baltimore where... This pain guy uh, lived for a good while streets, Baltimore, Uh, but the wire uh, for those that have watched, it has uh, a couple, a season or two where they talk about Hamsterdam. So to combat drugs, they took about a two block radius. Again, fictional story here per se uh, in Baltimore uh, where they said, all right, you utilize whatever you want, do whatever you want. No drug enforcement in that area. And who that, that uh, yeah. Check out the show if you haven't already. But did you know that's modeled after Sao Paulo, Brazil, where they actually did that? Only they called it Crackalandia. Crackalandia, folks. There's a sectioned off area in Brazil uh, that is termed Crackalandia because there's no enforcement on, on drugs, on substances of abuse at all. Now, when there's a change in regime of the when the politics come into play, now, sometimes they go in with flamethrowers trying to get rid of people. They move down the street and then they move it back. So Crackolandia still stands. Can you imagine an area? Feel free to Google the pictures Um, that that, it's just rampant use. So, yeah, that wire uh, show thing actually came from something of real life. This happens across the globe, and we all need to really be aware of that, of course, too. All right. So let's, let's bring the pharmacology back here, but we're typically in this genre of, uh, thug drugs talking about phenethylamines. That's a mouthful, right? Uh, there's various ones of this structural class. Uh, there's even over the counter things like ephedrine and pseudoephedrine. There's prescription things like bupropion, a bath salt, a, um, I should say. Uh, there's the controlled substance class four that's fentramine. There's c C2s, amphetamines, of course. Uh, and even C1s, things like we touched on 2CB, um, ecstasy, so on and so forth. They're all phenethylamines. But I, I rambled through there with amphetamines. So let's touch on those. Because again, thug drug stimulants here today. Uh, so it turns out, well, they've been available all the way back from Wahuang, uh, More Wahang, uh, depending on the, the vernacular of an area. Available anciently, of course, from the ephedra plant. That's uh, ephedrine and pseudoephedrine. Uh, meth. Methamphetamine was first produced over in Japan uh, back in 1888. Good golly. And decades later, it was available even in in, uh, decongestant inhalers. You could just pretty much buy them just about anywhere. There was a time when amphetamine uh, was available like that as well. Benzedrine, I believe. And then methadrine was a meth inhaler. Oh, my goodness. That was back uh, not that long ago, probably about 80, 90 years ago. So I think in the 40s. A uh, little uh, war history for you. Uh, many might know this one, but back in World War II, WW-Deuce, um, Pervitin, or methamphetamine, uh, was actually used by the Axis Allies troops to stay awake while fighting and uh, flying all those big fancy planes at the time. Uh, but about 70 years ago, all amphetamines became prescription only. We wrapped it up, and there was never another problem, right? Well, in fact, 20 years later, in 1971, that's when they became Schedule Two. And again, we wrapped it up. No more problems today with any stimulants, right? Why are we even having this episode? My goodness. By the way, can you tell that the cup of Joe is kicking in? All right. So amphetamines, A, when a medicine or a, a term makes sense, let's point it out. A is alpha. M is methyl. PH is for phen. ET is for the ethyl and the amine at the end. That's A-M-P-H-E-T amine. Amphetamines. It's for alpha methyl phenethylamine. Remember I was talking about the, the structural class of phenethylamines? What this tells you is amphetamines simply add an alpha methyl. They add a methyl group, but boy, things can change. Prescription meds, we got things like dextroamphetamine or dextroamphetamine amphetamine salts. Uh, there's uh, newer things like list dexamphetamine and of course, methylphenidate comes to mind. Methylphenidate kind of like, it gets its own little island though, but uh, there was a Swiss, uh, back in the 40s, 1940s, uh, so there was a Swiss lab, Siba, uh, that developed methylphenidate. So there was a scientist that actually tested it on his wife, I believe her name was Rita, if I believe, remember correctly. It's pertinent. Uh, reported improved tennis performance. Ooh, check that out on the tennis courts, right? Uh, so the chemist named the drug Ritaline. Ritaline in honor of his wife, the tennis star. Uh, So they dropped the uh, E at the end, uh, back in the fifties. And and of course, methylphenidate Ritalin uh, was marketed for uh, use in psychiatric asylums that treat a a myriad of things as well. What about today though? How how do we get where we are when it comes to methylphenidate uh, in general, of course in the ADHD uh, genre of patient care. So back in 1980, we had about 400,000 ADHD prescriptions. Fast forward to a time still of a while ago, 1995, so 15 years later, went from 400,000 to 2.6 million ADHD prescriptions and growing, right? Um, the, these things caught wind uh, relatively recently, even with uh, Greta Thunberg, remember the climate change activist. Um, you can look, you go to Dr. Google for some of that, of course, uh, as far as information on her efforts. Uh, but, you know, talking about methylphenidate, let's jump uh, to meth. Amphetamine. Yes, meth, folks. Well, we're going to channel our inner Walter White from Breaking Bad. Uh, but h- how do the streets refer to meth? Well, you we call it meth, of course, or ice or shard or crank or crystal. You can even call it stovetop. Ah, this stuff one of my grandmas used to make, of course, different ways. Uh, but, anyways, when talking about meth, you know, how does it work? Again, it's all about the dosage, but also the mechanism as well. Well, it's a TAR 1 agonist. Uh, it's also got a uh, serotonin, dopamine, and norepinephrine effects, alpha-2 agonism, and also has an MAOI inhibitor. Good golly, if you thought cocaine had a lot of uh, mechanisms, well, so does meth, right? Um, now, uh, for pharmacological friends out there, it's a 2D6 inhibitor and substrate, so keep that in mind, especially in the pain management realm. You know, it's not tram at all, but boy, that 2D6 hop up, hops up just like it. You know what's really funky about meth, though? It's readily available as a C2. Yes, desoxin, approved for ADHD and obesity in adults and children. It's a C2. Oh, hold your breath, folks. It's also over the counter. Yeah, over the counter. You know, growing up when I was a kid, I was an ear kid. Yeah, lots of those types of infections and all that. But uh, whenever I had congestion, uh, uh, one of the things my mom would actually uh, have around would be one of those, uh, it's hard to find them these days, but the Vicks Vapo inhalers, they look like a chapstick, right? Uh, but you, there's a little hole at the end and you breathe in, of course, and it, and it helps to uh, with a decongestion. So there's different formulations of that today uh, with even natural ingredients, essential oils, so on and so forth. But the, the core one was actually levo methamphetamine, left-handed meth. So, yeah, meth is over the counter per se in one way, uh, the left handed version. Now, in fact, the abuse deterrent uh, ideal of that was to, to not, to basically change up the name on the label to the international chemical name. Cause they folks knew that if you put levo methamphetamine on the label, well, there it goes off the shelves without paying for it, right? Good golly! Uh, anybody ever have like Oxytrall or uh, any of the oxy the th- things over the counter uh, in a totally different realm than pain management stolen from a pharmacy? Yeah, because it has the letters O X Y on it. Oxy and people steal it. Ay-y-y-y. But anyways, um, you know there is observed across the country various references of uh, uh, trucker transportor transportation industry, uh, uh, utilization, perhaps abuse, uh, but uh, doses would be through the roof for what's needed for, um, you know, along the way there. So yeah, C2OTC. So what would Walter White say from Breaking Bad? I always tell people, you know, if I got on the phone with him, he'd be, he'd be like, Mark, you mean to tell me pure meth is already readily available as a legal prescription medicine, if not over the counter? You gotta be kidding me. Oh my gosh. Five, six seasons of Breaking Bad. They're amazing. If you haven't watched them do so. Uh, But Uh, You know what did Walter White in Breaking Bad go into? Well, it was exposing a lot of information that's actually really important, Uh, even for us healthcare professionals out there. Raise your hands, folks. We're, We're healthcare professionals. We help people. So let's talk about where meth comes into play here. So there's there's a lot of different ways to make meth. You know, chemically, synthetically, and whatnot. Uh, the first genre would be the reduction methods. You got your shake and bake, your naga, your, your, and so on and so forth. Uh, but they involve the concept in general of something, the industrial side anyway, would be, uh, especially those that watch Breaking Bad, would be P2P. Now, wh- where is this P2P come into play? Uh, well, that, of course, would be phenyl-2-propanone. But again, let's just call it P2P. So that was created all across the planet. And then uh, we said, ah, we got to stop that. Uh, So then folks were pushed to utilize pseudoephedrine. That's when, of course, the combat methamphetamine epidemic act of 2005 came into play. And that's why now when you go to buy some of the stuff over the counter, you got a show ID. It's usually behind the counter, uh, sign in, all that great stuff. And we feel like we made a huge difference, right? And then the street chemists across the globe said, oh, how nice. Turns out we'll just go to yet another method or two, and we'll use the precursors to P2P to make meth now that is stronger than ever before. Remember what Sam Quinone has said in his book and in uh, the pain Pot episode, the most recent one, uh, this new stuff is just stronger than ever before, and the effects are catastrophic. Now, think about it. What if we went about things a little bit differently when it, when it comes to when it came to the idea of enforcement with the whole pseudo Fed laws and, and P2P originally. So now it's made in places like China and Mexico and across the globe. And I'm sure you've seen the, the headlines, uh, of course, of how, oh, well, um, uh, the country of China made it illegal to export the precursors for meth, methamphetamine. Uh, absolutely. Yes. But there's still a tax break that exists. Why? Why media? Why won't our media professionals cover that as well, too? If you're listening and your media, you're probably on to something already. Get her done. Feel free to give a, a call or an email or sh- hit me up on LinkedIn here, folks. All right. Uh, so now there's the precursors, to P2P that are out there um, and they make P2P. And then it's, in, and it's just it's incredibly inexpensive. Even when you factor in shipping, my goodness, it's coming from across the pond in every direction. Um, so now that's why in many states you buy five bags of heroin, you get a six, one free, and they'll throw in a couple bags of meth just for the heck of it. Cause it costs like nothing to even get there. Oh my goodness. What are those effects of meth other than, you know, ultimately in the end, the uh, drug overdose deaths that we end up seeing well along the way before it escalates to that and the loss of human heartbeats, uh, there's things like tweaking or punting. That's like doing the same thing over and over again. Think like uh, CDO OCD for others. Um, and, you know, the idea of just doing the same thing, organizing things all the time, uh, meth mouth. Ironically, if, if when there's the injection abuse, there's more meth mouth, you, you'd think it would be, you know, local or topical per se, uh, but it's actually systemic as well too. And, and that's things we got to keep in mind, uh, cause it really, really is important to, uh, to know what's going on in our communities because our communities end up being our patients along the way as well, too. Not to mention our family members, our friends, our neighbors, uh, those we work and play with throughout the community as well. So, uh, you know, how do we help folks along the way? Because th- there's some amazing things when it comes to meth, there's some amazing things going on out there. Uh, for instance, has anybody heard about wasping? All right. Wasping. What the heck is wasping? So you don't have to Google it, but I'll provide lots of information in the, in the episode notes, folks. Uh, it's taken meth and uh, spraying it with like something kind of like raid or some insect, you know, spray technically called perithroids. Uh, but uh, things that stun and kill insects, it affects their nervous system. So folks out there are spraying meth with wasp spray, and then utilizing that product, walking around like zombies and whatnot. Um, it's just incredible. You got to think it at the core there. You know, a lot of folks struggle with explaining or even truly understanding substance use disorder, addiction, and some of these extremes like wasping along the way uh, can really help with that. Of why would someone purposefully do these things? It's the getaway. Check out my TED Talk, folks. Uh, TEDx Talk. Um, you know, me's on scene. Pain, addiction, and you, all of us in our communities. So, it, it's interesting to uh, to grasp that. And it goes beyond, beyond us humans, too, actually. Anybody heard about meth gators? Oh, my gosh. I'll probably wrap up with this one. But meth gators, folks. So... Uh, down in Tennessee, possibly other places too, but in Tennessee, there was actually, I, I caught wind of a headline where uh, the headline was, uh, don't fl- please don't flush your drugs, okay? Because um, Tennessee police were warning that it was creating meth gators. Apparently, the meth was getting in the water and the gators were ingesting it. Again, this is just based on an article. This isn't Jam or New England Journal or anything, folks. It's just anything in the news. Uh, But anyways, uh, think of the gators, folks, think of the gators. And no, we're not talking about crocodiles because crocodile is actually an opioid of abuse. Maybe someday we'll do thug drugs, opioids, right? (laughs) You could probably get rid of the maybe I'm sure. Uh, But anyways, uh, a lot of this information is, you know, overall um, again, where do you get this kind of information? Where, Where do we hear about meth gators? Oh my goodness. When we think about what happens in our society, there's lots of resources out there, um, Things are just not always viewed and in reality, aren't as legit per se. You know, there's th- resources out there like Eurowid. There's a lot of information over from uh, from over in Europe, uh, the European Monitoring Center uh, for Drugs and, and Drug Addiction, I believe is one of the names um, or a DEA, our very own American DEA does a lot of reports every year. Uh, they usually have the Drugs of Abuse Report or the National Drug Threat uh, Assessment or Report. Uh, NIDA national Institute on drug abuse has things. Caesar has things. It's the center for substance abuse research. And then there's the funky ones, the blogs, you know, anybody can put anything online these days. We all know that, uh, present self included, but, uh, there's things like drugs Forum and blue light, check them out. Um, I, it's amazing what people will put online. And you, you think there's encryption, but well, not really. Uh, but anyway, so those are some places to go. But, I, you know, as I opened up with a, a really good place, especially for healthcare professionals to go, uh, would be, uh, you know, what I uh, developed with uh, the folks at freece.com, uh, that substance of abuse specialty pharmacist uh, certificate program. I'll, I'll certainly have that in the notes as well for us as well, too. Uh, but really important to keep in mind that we've got to educate ourselves to know what's going on in our communities that it's not just that things are illegal or illicit or misused or diverted or abused or whatever. Uh, this is hitting home for everyone. You know, the age old idea that, Oh, we all know somebody, uh, within, um, you know, five people within pharmacy, I'm convinced it's one. And maybe if you don't get out too much, it's probably two people can connect you. Uh, and within healthcare, it's the same thing as well too. Uh, so we really have to educate ourselves. So hopefully this, uh, uh, slightly, hopefully entertaining rundown of, thug drugs stimulants stimulated your mind to get out and make a difference uh you know that's what matters in the end you know not to make this campfire but uh that's what matters in the end so I really hope that everybody enjoyed this episode of the Pain Pod, where we just had a little follow-up to our conversation with Sam Quinones, of uh, how we had highlighted along the way of the, you know, the meth problems out there, along with the heroin and its uh, derivatives and and things that are laced into products these days. Because more often than not, if not always, it's always, always, always poly substance, poly street. Whether someone knows it or not, because leased products are out there, uh, it could be on purpose or it could be unknown. But we need to educate ourselves as healthcare professionals. So, hopefully, this gave a little uh, appetizer to that concept here today with giving a couple resources for everybody as well. I just want to thank everyone, as always, for joining us here at the pain pod. And I look forward to uh, meeting all of you more and more all across our country as there's various conferences and online uh, projects and whatnot. Uh, by all means, when, when we're near each other, uh, reach out uh, and at the very least hit me up on LinkedIn, of course, too. So thank you, pain pod nation, uh, for listening to Thug Drugs Stimulants.
1: If you'd like to join Mark
0: on The Pain Pod,
1: send us an email to publisher at pharmacypodcast.com. And make sure to share the show and subscribe on your favorite podcast directory. Thanks for listening.